This episode is sponsored by Natural Mat, an organic bed and mattress company based on the banks of the River X in Devon. Natural Mat controls the whole process of making, from collecting organic wool to sending out the finished product in their own vans. Six Senses Resorts and Hoxton Hotels are already fans. If you want to try a natural organic mattress for yourself, visit a showroom in the Cotswolds, Chiswick or Devon. First of all, I was fascinated by colour and I just felt, why would you ignore this wealth of wonderful colour out there that is just for me so worth celebrating? Welcome to Houseguest with me, Carol Annett, Interiors Editor at Country and Townhouse magazine. Here I chat to those clever creatives behind the houses, hotels and brands you see in glossy magazines like ours. Guests include interior designers and architects, as well as celebrities dipping their toe into the world of decorating. My house guest today is Mike Fisher of Studio Indigo, an award-winning collective of architects and interior designers based in London, but work all around the world, Mike, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I am very happily ensconced in your sitting room, in your in your house. And what I wanted to talk to you about was colour, decorating with colour, because you say in your beautiful new book, which has just been published, that you have to understand colour in order to manage it. Can you explain a little bit about what you mean about understanding colour? Well, I, I suppose if I start off by saying colour has always been important to me, I think I've always wanted to be an architect. So, you know, growing up was very easy. I knew what my goals were. I, I went off to architecture school and I went to, to Scotland, to Dundee, and there the School of Architecture is run jointly by a, a College of Art and the University of Dundee. And our building with the architects was also next door to the textilists. So, I always sort of end mingled with the textilists. I was absolutely fascinated. And we would have sort of great hall spaces and they would, at their end, end of term shows, they were always decorating uh, this space with the most magnificent fabrics. And obviously in fabrics, they're, they're using an awful lot of colour. So first of all, I was fascinated by colour. You know, architects on their own often to be often a monochromatic and and very restrained in their use of colour. And, and I just felt, why would you ignore this wealth of wonderful colour out there that is just for me so is, is worth celebrating? It's, it's a bit like if you go into the, a Fortuny shop, you know, Fortuny had the most amazing colours, whether it was orange or green or blue or lilac or whatever. His, his colours were just the most extraordinary. So I've always been important. It's always been important to me, uh, uh, colour. And then in terms of the interiors, because we live in a sort of a northern climate, I just feel that you need colour to really to kind of inject interest and warmth into our environment. You know, we don't live in a Mediterranean climate, you know, with bright sunlight where you can get away with just sort of fairly neutral colours. We need to make our, our long, dark winters, we need to make them warm. Uh, and comforting. And I think you can do that through through colour. I think that's quite an interesting point in that um, so many of us fall in love with a, you know, you go to Greece and you fall in love with that incredible blue from the shutters, or you go to Italy and all the fall in love with the colours in, in the in the architecture. And yet they're, they're not necessarily going to translate when you get home. No, exactly. They're a bit like the, the sort of the object that you buy as a souvenir <laughs> on holiday and you get it back to London and you think, oh my God, what on earth have I bought here? What am I going to do with it? 
yeah. but you're right you know i i love the mediterranean uh, uh sun and i love the, i love the bright light and uh and but it's a different it's a different world it's a different country um and and a different climate so you've got to, we've got to reflect where we live and we do that I, I hope we do that wherever we are in the world wherever we're working we do adapt to that that climate and the, and the light and when so when you set up your studio um when was that probably about 20 years ago and then I very quickly got together with Nyla and we worked together for a while and then I think in 2015 I set up Studio Indigo and you now have we have about 50 people we're bursting at the seams we're my architects and interior designers so I very quickly realized in that this sort of London property market that the architect wasn't the most important person the interior designer was the most important. The interior designer had the control because the entire designer gets to do all the nice bits, the fabrics and the colours and the furniture. And, and so I realised that if I wanted to be in control and, and and have a say in everything that was going on, I had to be an interior designer as well. So so it was great because I was interested, you know, as a, a city before, I was the only architect in my school of architecture who used to read uh, House and Garden and uh, World of Interiors in those days. So, uh, And I used to be ribbed solid for it. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and obviously you would have read country and townhouse had we been around in those days. yes exactly now i'm sort of showing my age and uh, as i said i've just celebrated my 60th birthday so i feel ancient um but yes you weren't around in those days so when do you start talking about color with a client actually pretty much from the beginning it's one of the first things we start to talk about because you have to figure out you know what their palette is like um you also have to think about what you know what what the budget is and what you're trying to achieve and we're doing a a, a country house at the moment in in Scotland and the the budget's quite tight we don't have a lot to sort of to spend on amazing furniture but you know we can create a, a lot of impact through use of strong color or color combinations which we think are are, are interesting and 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 work with the color and the fabrics to to give it the impact that we we feel it needs one of your projects, which I absolutely adore, has got the most extraordinary, I want to say mustard, but you're going to slap me down and say something much smarter. But they are mu- it's a, a sitting room with a mustard lacquer. Walls. Um, yeah. Yes. What, what colour would you call it? Uh, well, no, I'd probably call it mustard <laughs> lacquer. And I hinted it, I have to say. And, you know, I have to be honest. We had a lovely girl in the office, Christiana, who was the uh, project interior designer for it. We had a great client who was Scandinavian, who did not want the white look. You know, they were kind of over that. The, the, the husband was Brazilian, so colour was really, really important. And uh, Christiana decided that she thought that this, knowing I like colour, she, she decided the mustard would be very, very good colour. And, and you know, of course, it's, you know, I did look at it and I thought, oh, my God, if we... Maybe it's a step too far because, of course, there's nothing in the room at that stage. And, you know, the paint goes on the wall. You think, what on earth have I done? Well, has she done, I suppose? And uh, and then, of course, you know, the furniture starts coming in uh, and the fabric starts and the rugs and everything. And you suddenly realise that actually this, this mustardy, chartreuse colour exists in a lot of fabrics that you really, really like. And what mm. Christiana did was certainly with the rugs and with, uh, she she showed me where the colours existed. So, you know, I kind of then said, okay, that's great. 
let's run with that. And we made a few changes here and there. I, I, I would be lying if I said that I did everything. I don't, you know, not uh, with the number of projects that we work on. You need a fantastic team around you and all the great interior designers, you need a team around them. I think the main difference is that I just don't take all the credit for it, if I'm being honest. You know, I know where I, I've set sail. I've set the direction of sail where we're going with the project. That's really important to me. I work with a client to figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. But I, you know, there are course adjustments that you make along the way, and I want the client and and the project architects and the project interior designers to do that. And tell me about Reno Tocci. Reno, 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 Reno Tocci. Oh, I love Reno. He. Um, had a workshop up in North Kensington, Nyla and I used to go up there. He used to uh, paint furniture and stuff like that. And, uh, and, he, and he mixed paint as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he mixed every, all the paints and everything. And, uh, you know, to get the, the right shade with his cigarette in his mouth, which would, the ash would fall into it. And uh, what the ash did was just made those, I like I like strong colour, but I don't want it too vibrant. And, you know, I don't like that kind of rather gaudy, vibrant and colour often well i don't yeah i don't use it a lot what reno's cigarette butt used to do was to turn it a bit ashy and gray and a bit mucky and it just took the the brashness off the color so i really i like that softness to the color and and he was a it obviously as the name suggested he was an italian and he painted in that rather slapdash theatrical way and i really like that as well rather than it being you know too precise and you know you know that that kind of italian you know, kind of swagger and confidence just to go and it's done. Yeah. You know, so. Do you ever, um, I'm currently renovating my house and my builder has basically put a black mark against some of the paint brands that he does not want to use, particularly those with a sort of chalky finish. I mean, w- would you just sort of ignore that if a builder said, oh, I'm not using that brand or, you know, he just said, that some brands take a lot more work to put on the walls, but then I'm guessing that that's why, because you're getting a particular um, finish. Yeah, no, no, never, never ignore your builder at peril. He's got a lot of wisdom, and, and you should listen to him, and then decide whether you're going to ignore him and accept the consequences. <laughs> is my best advice. But no, it's true. I'm the, I'm not going to name companies apart from uh, probably one, my favourite, but some companies they're. Paint colours are inconsistent, I find, in, in batches. And that can cause problems for us as the sort of the interior designer. Okay, that's interesting. So you need to try and if you're going with one co- a very specific colour from a very specific company, you need to get every buy all the tins at once. Yeah, because try because the the bat and making sure it all comes from the same batch. That's quite important. Um, there are companies such as Papers and Paints, which is the one that I will mention because it's one of my favourite. I've used them for years and years. Their paints are very very chalky, but they have wonderful quality to them. Uh, but their paints. Are, are very suited for, I think, for period properties. Yeah. Uh, there's that chalkiness uh, about them, which isn't. It's not too shiny and not too too modern looking. They have wonderful depth, yeah. and and the colours I find change in the light, which is, is something that I like. You sort of look at it sometimes and you say, well, is it mustard or is it chartreuse? You know, it it, it varies, and that's a nice quality that you get in in paint. But at the same time, if you're doing a very contemporary interior, I wouldn't necessarily use papers and paints. I would probably use a a Dulux, dare I say. Um, And in this house, 
I used a lot of the, the colours from Papers and Paints, but because it's a very contemporary house, I actually had it all mixed uh, by Dulux. Uh, so they're all Dulux paints. And then, of course, the other things you have to take into consideration is whether you're brushing it, rolling it, or spraying it. Yeah. And all those things come into, into play. Oh, that's quite interesting. So because, you know, you obviously assume that people go, you know, scuttle down to b&q clutching your your farron ball color and saying get a mix this for me it's going to be a lot cheaper but actually you're doing it because you wanted a different finish yes that's right i think that the dulux paint they do wear better and they've got a do they just have more contemporary feel about it and they're more durable i have to say i think some of the chalky paints are quite difficult because you can't just quickly wipe them interesting and just explain um the lacquering process with a paint, because that's quite a, um, it, that's a, a technique. So you use specialist painters to do a lacquer. Well, not necessarily specialists. I mean, in truth, most of the good decorators that we are, are we work with are specialists. So yeah. they will be used to sort of to, to, to putting on a gloss. It's particularly good on ceilings where you want to get that reflectivity and give it, you know, okay. the, the room, the illusion of greater height, which is, is, is I've used a lot uh, with that. But it also, I think, on the the mustard house that you like, I think what's quite nice about it is that it gives the walls that kind of shimmering effect and it gives the walls a a depth, which is interesting. The same that I've done in my house in the country where we had a specialist painter with, you know, you watch the the layers of paint go on the the walls and it starts off with a brown and then it becomes a red and then you add something else and something else and then it finally ends up being pink. But what happens is that you look at it, you just see that depth of movement within the within the wall, uh, which you obviously don't get with just a flat paint. Yeah. In your book, you quote um, Sir Edward Lutyens, who always has a little bit of black in every space. But you say that you prefer chocolate brown. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, black is well, I say that I've got black in this room. But uh, yeah, I prefer chocolate brown. That black is a colour I tend to avoid. But I do like using that kind of blacky grey or blacky brown or blacky purple, because it's just a little bit softer. And also you look at it and you think, actually, what colour is it? Really? You know, it looks black, but it's got a bit of a mauve in it, or it's got a bit of a green in it, or a grey, or whatever. So, as a solid colour, it's one I tend to avoid. But when you say you you need to have a bit of chocolate brown in the room, do you mean like you know on a, in a piece of wood or? Well, it, it can be in anything. I just think it for me, you do need depth and contrast with it within a room. Otherwise, if you try and do everything neutral, to me, it just ends it ends up being a bit dull and a bit boring. It's the same thing with, you know, you might have a basic colour that you're using in a, a room as a scheme, but it's often interesting to look, at, say, your colour chart, and then look at the colours which are the opposite colours to that. Because by adding in those colours, suddenly you realise why your room is suddenly coming alive, you know, because that there's that little bit of tension and contrast in it. You know, of course, you can sort of go for more English kind of very old English look and just throw everything together and it all seems to work somehow, you know, kind of in a way that Robert Kime just crashes everything together and it it all works fantastic. But yeah, it's but that, an art that's when it. Robert Kime does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a real art. But you know, just look at the pieces of fabric that you like and why you like them and then really, really study the colour. And it's it's fascinating because sometimes clients say, Oh, I really like that colour, but I don't like orange. And you think, yeah, but the orange in it is the most important part. I know it's only a small part, mm-hmm. but it's the orange that makes everything else come alive. Put your finger over the, 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 the orange and hide it. Suddenly the fabric becomes dead. So that's the same as is uh, for me, it's in your interiors as well. You need that little bit of uh, of, of contrast. 
You talk about needing to surprise and delight. I mean, when it comes to colour, I mean, is that about sort of using a, a, a strong colour in a hallway or, you know, coming out of a serene a room? Yeah, no, it can be, well, it can be that. It, you know, for me, surprise and delight is, is, is really, really important in the way that we approach things. So it's about providing the unexpected and that can be in terms it can be spatially it can be in terms of your you know the style of the room or it can be in that color combination that unusual color yeah. color combination that you think god i'd never thought those two colors could go together yeah but if you really stop and you know as a designer and look at fabric or you look at nature and you realize how colors come together and so often it is that you know it's 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 unusual color combinations that that just work really well so, Mike, tell us a bit about the projects that you're working on and one in my old stomping ground in Hanover Square. Indeed, just on the other side of the square. So we've been working for the last few years on the Mandarin Oriental, uh, Hanover Square. But this isn't a hotel. It's, it is a hotel. Oh, it is a hotel it's, as well. It's, it's so new... it's a sister to the hotel in Knightsbridge. Exactly. It's sort of like a con. It's a new concept for Mandarin in that it's more boutiquey because it's got fewer rooms. It's a, it's only got fifty bedrooms, and it's aimed at a more younger sort of clientele. It's uh, it's just off Bond Street, New Bond Street, and it's also got some residences attached to it as well. So the idea is you could buy an apartment and when you're not using it, you give it to the hotel. So the, the challenges uh, have been, particularly with the, the hotel, is that it's a Richard Rogers building. It's very contemporary. For us, it's very, we, we always go on about, you know, what you see on the outside should you know, somehow be reflected on the inside. So we had to create a new architecture, uh, a new architectural language on the interiors. The spaces are not fantastically big, so we wanted to treat them as more sort of jewel boxes and make them feel bigger than they actually are. Again, which is something that we're fascinated by. And so we produce these really exquisite sort of contemporary jewel boxes, I think, anyway. Again, colour is very important. There's a very strong sense of colour because um, it just adds another level of richness to the spaces as well, as long as the wonderful textures and the furniture that we've designed and how we've modelled the space to make it feel bigger than it actually is. So, so the colour there has been quite important. And we've just started working on a bar that they're going to stick on the roof. So again, we're acting as the architect and the interior designer. The bar has got to be um, containerized in a sense, so it's, it's craned up onto the onto oh, the wow. roof. So that's been a kind of a challenge. It has to be made in, in I think, about six or seven different components, which then get hoisted up. And the, the challenges have been, it's a bar that's got to work during the day and it's, and it's got to work at night. So if you use very dark colours, you know, which would work well at night, they're not the kind of colours that will work during the day. And if you use very light colours, because during the day it is very light, it's not really going to work at night. So it's it, it's been a quite a challenge, and it's it's been colour that's helped solve that dual use of day and night. So we're using well, it, it's it, it's the walls are all glass, so you're getting up there, and it's the views that you're you know that you're paying to go and uh, and see more than anything else. And you overlook Hanover Square and, and that part of London, and we've come up with kind of the blue of the sky and the sun, the orange. Uh, and we found that that kind of silvery blue and ambery orange is actually a colour combination, which I quite like, and seems to reflect the sky and the sun. So it seems a bit obvious, I know, but maybe it's a bit naff, I don't know. But I think it, it kind of really works. It works during the day and it works well at night. Yeah. The, the orange gives that, it just is that kind of works well in the dark. And the sky blue just sort of softens during the day. 
And presumably textures come into that as well, whether you're, you know, whether you're using a, would you use, um, you know, like sort of silks that have a bit more of a sheen on or? or well, not, or... not silks because it's a restaurant, but we, you are right. We're, texture is very important because it's just, you know, we've got a concept. It is, you know, because the walls are all glass, the ceiling is very important. The floor is very important. And then the next thing you have to play with is the sort of the, 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 the furniture and the textures and the colours within the furniture. Uh, so what do you put on the floor then if you've got glass walls? Well, so we've come up with a very contemporary flooring in timber and metalwork, which is all inlaid. Um, so there's quite a, you know, it's 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 an amazing pattern and a nice textured floor that's very strong. Uh, and the ceiling, we have got our gloss ceiling. In this instance, I think it's, it's going to be in, in a highly polished plaster. And we've got a, an amazing sort of chandelier that is inspired by the wind. Uh, because obviously we're high up, so you know it looks a little bit. If you if you look at it as a diagram, it looks like the the weather map and the wind blowing, or as the kids would might blow, you know, to indicate the wind is blowing. So oh, it's a bit like that. And yeah, and then the, as you sit down, it, it is the textures that become really important. And obviously, it's a restaurant, so it's got to be hard wearing. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to go and see. Um, Mike, thank you so much. So the book is called Studio Indigo. The book is Studio Indigo, which um, I just happen to have a copy here. (laughs) Architecturally created interior. So really, it's a nod to what we do. And it's architects. And it's got your own home in here too, which is spectacular. Yes, it has my own house in here. Um, Um, But it's it's it luckily I didn't have to choose which projects uh, were were going to be selected. So I can be quite honest with the clients that I had no hand in it. Um, and it and was good for someone else to look at our work and say, actually, uh, I think these sort of 16 projects represent the work that you've done over the last 15 years. Um, and the good Daniela in our office and Vendon Press have, have done that selection and I've kind of gone, gone along with them. And uh, yeah. Well, it's an absolutely beautiful coffee table tome. Now, before we go, I want you to tell one more story about the little dog lift you put into your house <laughs> well everyone uh, people often ask what's the most unusual thing that you've you you put into a house uh, and we've done been asked to do many interesting and curious things but probably the one that gets the most attention is the dog lift and in this house that we're you know we're chatting to at the moment it's on many many levels and but it's also an upside down house so the living space is on the top and the garden it's not a big garden but the garden's on the ground floor and so I wanted a way that the dogs could go up and down uh, the stairs. Well, not go up and down the stairs, but go from the, the living area on the top floor to the garden. Because so the stairs are... are um, the, the stairs are very, stairs are the, very contemporary. Yeah, so it's not, not easy for dogs it's, to go up and down. Yes, it's not a dog-friendly staircase. Um, it's not a child-friendly staircase either. So the, there's a sensor that's built into the in just outside of the lifts on the top floor and the garden level that allows the, the dogs to call the lift. <laughs> And <laughs> it comes down and they walk in and it goes up to the family area and vice versa. And then they can go out to the garden. But you've got a puppy now as well. And how does he, she, what, what's the, the, the puppy called? The puppy is called Rufus. And Rufus has very quickly learned after uh, Sit and Paul uh, that the lift button can be programmed so that they just go to it and it takes them in. It's interesting. They often just like to sit in it as well. So they go up and down. But of course, it's designed to get it's designed to be called. They walk into it, it goes to the top floor or to the bottom floor, and they're supposed to walk out. But sometimes they like just sitting in there. And then you will hear a woof and a woof because they've been trapped in it for 
half an hour or something like that. So <laughs> it's a, a mobile dog bed, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Brilliant. Lovely. And why not? I think all pooches should be... Um, there are children. Up. There are children. Exactly. They? And they make, they, uh, as, you know, we, we, as a designers, we like to try and create a home, but it's our pets and our family that create the home. Exactly. Here, here. Thank you very much. It's been really Pleasure. lovely to chat. Natural Mat holds a Queen's Award for Sustainability. Using only certified organic materials, its mattresses are not only wonderfully comfortable, but better for you and the planet. For more information, visit naturalmat.co.uk. Thank you for joining me today. You can hear more House Guest on British Airways in-flight entertainment in the audio section, along with our sister podcast, Breakout Culture, with Lord Ed Vasey and Charlotte Metcalf. You can follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett.